0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Vox Tablet. I'm Sarah Ivry, your host. Today, a shameful chapter buried in an Amsterdam archive. It was all over the Dutch press this past spring, the revelation that in the years immediately after the Nazi occupation, authorities in Amsterdam came after the small trickle of returning Jews who owned property and told them that they owed something like property taxes from the time that they were away In fact, the authorities demanded that they pay not only those taxes, but also fines for late payment. The person who first discovered this mind-bogglingly absurd requirement was a mild-mannered intern working at the Amsterdam City Archives. She happened upon letters written by returning Jews asking that the fees please be dropped given the circumstances of their non-payment. After all, we're talking about the early 1940s, and the Jews at this time weren't exactly away on a vacation. Amsterdam-based reporter Jonathan Gruber wanted to meet this intern to ask how she made the discovery and what led her to go public with it. Here's his story.
1: Say, so what's the date?
2: Oh, The date is written on May 16, 1946. And he uh, wrote it to the city after receiving his fine for the leasehold.
1: The woman reading this letter is 24-year-old Charlotte von den Berg. These days, she works at the student administration department of a university in the Dutch capital, Amsterdam. But back in 2011, she was a student herself, interning at the Amsterdam City Archives.
2: I just received your fine. Uh, you might know that as a Jew, I was... In hiding since 1943.
1: The letter's author is complaining about a bill he'd received from the Amsterdam municipality demanding that he pay his back leasehold fees for the ground his house is on. The bill is for the entire time he was away from his home, hiding from the Nazis. The city even tacked on a penalty for late payment.
2: Until the liberation, I was robbed of everything I possessed and I had to fight to get all of that back again uh let me see this is yeah this one is also asking for a little bit more time to pay for the bill since the lot that the house was on was on ns bay so it's that's a member of the dutch nazi party yes exactly they had taken over the place at the time
1: so her house had been taken over by the dutch nazi party
2: Yes, that's what these people write. And it happened a lot that if your house or your building was useful for something they wanted, then they would just take over.
1: These letters are all from Jews who had either just come out of hiding or just returned from concentration camps and reclaimed the homes they own. Often the homes had been illegally occupied by Germans or collaborators who simply didn't pay the bills. Charlotta found hundreds of letters Quite coincidentally, just doing her job at the archive.
2: My job then was to help the city of Amsterdam to digitize their leasehold archive. I used to categorize the documents in that archive.
1: The leasehold archive. Can you explain exactly what that is? Because that's an unusual concept.
2: It's a concept where the city owns the ground your house is standing on. So you can buy a house... But you still have to pay lease for the ground your house is standing on.
1: Charlotte was looking through mostly ordinary letters of complaint. She says it was pretty boring work until one day she came upon something that was not ordinary.
2: It was a letter of someone telling his story about what was going on and that he was asked to pay the leasehold that was still open from the warriors and that he had just been in a concentration camp.
1: And when you saw that letter, what did you think?
2: Well, at first I was really surprised, of course, because you don't really expect to find letters like that in an archive that's usually just very common documentation. And my second thought was that this was definitely fixed by the city. So I thought it would just be a mistake back in the time and that they would have, like, wrote a letter back saying they were sorry and, of course, you don't have to pay this. Then we came across more of those letters. I discovered that the only thing the city had done back then was to pay back half of the fine they had asked from those people.
1: So these people would get a bill? Yes. For a house that they hadn't lived in for years because they'd been off in a concentration camp in the process of being exterminated, came back, and were presented with the bill. You assumed, well, of course they wouldn't have to pay that bill. Yes. And then you discovered, not only did they pay the bill, but they had been also given a fine
2: (laughs) on top of that. Exactly, yes. And all the city did was pay back half of that fine. So they still paid all the leasehold, and... Half of the fine.
1: And when you saw that, what did you think?
2: That these documents were very important and that there should be more research done about the case because it was very wrong of the city to do that just after war ended. Wrong? Wrong in the sense of unsensitive and not insensitive? really.
1: Insensitive? Is that the word that you were really thinking? That's insensitive. Well, it's insensitive
2: and also immoral. Uh,
1: Charlotta's discovery led to 217 separate cases of the city, demanding leasehold fees and penalties from returning Jews. If they didn't pay up, they were simply evicted from their homes. Immoral behavior, as Charlotta calls it, was the order of the day right after the war. Amsterdam had just been freed of four years of Nazi occupation and gone through what was called the Hunger Winter of 1944. Thousands have died of starvation, and everyone was reeling. Everyone felt like a victim, and sympathy was in short supply, even for the tiny percentage of Jews who managed to make it home.
3: The 18th May 1945, we came back in Amsterdam.
1: This is Jaap Susan. He's a 91-year-old Jewish man born and raised in Amsterdam. He and his family tried to tough out the Nazi occupation of the city for as long as possible. But in 1943, after seeing all their friends and neighbors taken away and soldiers openly beating Jews on the streets, they decided it was time to run. His father found a farmer in the southern province of Limburg willing to take them in for cash. They spent most of the war there. When Jaap finally made it back to Amsterdam... He was shocked at how people treated him.
3: And they didn't know where to bring us. We came on the central station as a DP, displaced person, I had an interview till three o'clock in the morning. Where have you been and what and and brought me to a young man's house somewhere in the Jordan in Amsterdam. In the same room lay behind me three men, SS men. My enemy was in the same room.
1: Why why did they do that? Why did they put you in a room with three SS prisoners? Because they didn't know
3: what to do. They didn't expect that we came back. Nobody expected that we came back. You had two kinds of Jews who returned, those who were into hiding and those who have been in the concentration camps.
1: Rani Naftaniel is a leader of the Dutch Jewish community. His parents survived Camp Westerbork in the south of the Netherlands
3: about 5,000 have been in the concentration camps and about 20,000 were into hiding or returned from abroad. The reception was cool. Cool? Yeah, very cool. Uh, Many people lived in the houses of the Jews who returned and some of the neighbours, they had still the possessions of the Jews or they had sold the possessions of the Jews and they actually didn't like that they returned because they felt guilty. About 75% of Dutch Jewry was killed during the Second World War. Uh, in Amsterdam, this percentage was probably even higher. Was there
1: much understanding for the plight of the Jews when they returned?
3: Were they shown sympathy? Some did, some didn't. You have to understand that the Netherlands was a country which had many resistance fighters, but they had also, I think, the biggest amount of people who fought at the Eastern Front in favor of the Germans, so it was a split society where many people accommodated uh, to the German rules. My own mother, for instance, she returned from Camp Westerborg and in the first or the second week after she came back, she hiked with somebody, and then the driver said, "Oh, you are Jewish, so they turn up again they I don't understand where they come all from. When
1: Charlotte von den Berg told her boss about the letters... he thanked her for her attentiveness... and assured her they would be looked into. She also approached city officials... she wouldn't say exactly who... and asked them to go look at what she'd found. She'd check in with them from time to time... hoping for some progress. But in 2013... Not only had the city not investigated what happened, but she found out the original letters were about to be destroyed. Charlotte says she felt...
2: Powerless, actually, because most of the time I was looked at like, oh, you're just a student, so let the city come to us or let the archive come to us.
1: What, like a dumb intern?
2: Yeah, something like that.
1: When you realized that these things were going to be destroyed despite everything that you told them, what did you do then?
2: That was the moment I decided to talk to the media.
1: Let's just stop here for a second. The fact that Charlotta was tucked away working quietly in an archive is no coincidence. She is painfully shy and barely tolerates all the attention she's gotten since the case was made public. She just turned down a TV interview and it's clear that doing this interview with me is, well, it's almost painful. So imagine what it must have been like for her to go to a local newspaper, make an appointment with a reporter, and blow the whistle.
2: My boyfriend actually got me to actually go to the appointment.
0: You didn't want to go? Because
2: I was kind of afraid, yes. I was still not sure whether I should go through with all of that. I went, and the article got published in the end. And that's when it all started? What started? A big fuss, because right in the day it was published, the news made it to all the major news websites in the country. The mayor made a statement in the, the following week that there would be an investigation eventually.
1: The mayor of Amsterdam? Yes. The mayor instructed the Dutch Institute for War Documentation and Genocide Studies, the NIOD, to look into it. The NIOD conducted a thorough study confirming the authenticity of the letters, identified all the individual cases, and found out that, back in 1946, Amsterdam's attorney advised the city government not to enforce the fines on the Jews returning home. But politicians worried granting even one exception might set a precedent. This means the Amsterdam city fathers made a conscious decision to reject the advice of their own lawyer to act with compassion. Ronnie Naftaniel was one of the chief negotiators for wartime reparations between the Dutch government and the Jewish community back in the 90s. This deal eventually led the Dutch government to pay out more than a half a billion dollars to the Jewish community. So Ronnie was also asked to be on the NIOD Report Panel's Advisory Committee. I asked him what he thought when he saw the letter Charlotte found.
3: Yeah, disgusting. How can you be so harsh to people who have suffered that much? And that's a general phenomenon. Take the insurance companies. There was a legal fight for years to get paid out the life insurances. Some people didn't get the money for the life insurance because insurance companies claimed that the premiums were not paid in the last two years. Of course, they were not paid in the last two years. How could one pay in, when you are in a concentration camp? That has been resolved later on in the Netherlands. But this matter of the lease contracts and some other taxations, they were not uh, resolved. So until now, it has been uh, investigated. Why do you think it happened that they decided to demand payment from these people who weren't in the houses? Probably because bureaucratic reasons. Bureaucratic reasons. Yes, bureaucratic reasons. The Dutch have been very bureaucratic always. The Germans came here in a totally different society than in many other countries. That's probably one of the reasons why so many Jews have been deported. Everything was ordered. The Dutch Jews were registered everywhere. There was no possibility almost to go into hiding because everything... Was known. It was a transparent society. The behavior before the war was the same as after the war. Rules are there to be adhered to.
1: After the NIAD report was published a few months ago, Amsterdam Mayor Gephard van der Laan went on the news to talk about returning the penalties paid to the survivors and families of survivors in the city.
3: Yeah. Mayor van
1: der Laan is saying whether we were cold hearted or just bureaucratic doesn't matter. We should pay the money back, with
3: interest.
1: In the end, the city decided to compensate the survivors and their families to the tune of 870,000 euros, well over a million dollars. So,
3: case closed, right? No, it's not. Because you still have the land lease fees, which have to be paid back. And is that going to happen, do you think? If it uh, depends on me and on other members of the Jewish community, yes. I know you want it. Is it going to happen, do you think?
1: Well, yes. Well, the last survivors of the Holocaust are now dying. Um, In a few years, no one will be left who experienced it firsthand.
3: Are we getting to the point where we're going to be done with this? Where compensation will come to an end? But there is one thing you never can compensate. That's the pain. You can pay back whatever you want, but what happened is still there in families and also probably in parts of the second generation, and that has more time to breathe than uh, the first uh, generation. However, these are two separate things. The pain is not dependent so much on the behavior of the Dutch. Anyhow, the Dutch were occupied by the Nazis, and the Dutch could not help that occupation. They could not stop the occupation. But the way the Dutch dealt with Jewish possessions is something where the Dutch are directly accountable for. And that should be done in the best moral way. Because at the end, the Dutch should also look in the mirror and say, well, we have done at least justice.
2: The case is not close, because I assume there's going to be more research. They should look into What they're going to do with the people who actually paid their leaseholds. Also with the people who paid it without a complaint. Because those people are not registered. And should be a group of people who also deserve something like this.
1: The people who actually had the money to pay.
2: Yeah, and didn't complain and just did it to get over with it.
1: Because you were only looking at the complaints, right? Yes. Charlotte van den Berg, for her part is giving today's Amsterdam city officials the benefit of the doubt. She says she doesn't think she was willfully stonewalled. She just didn't speak to the right people. Back in her office, Charlotta and I are looking at another letter.
2: The man writing this letter is not just asking to not having to pay the fine, even asking if he can get a little bit more time to pay for it because he can't afford it right now. And that's one of those things that shocked me most, that they didn't even want to try and not pay it, even though they write that they really shouldn't be paying those things because the illegal owner should pay for that. But they just ask if they can pay it later.
1: And looking at your face, it really bothers you.
2: Yeah, it does, because it's... It's bizarre that people who just went through hell for a lot of years are asked to do stuff like that. And
1: what do you think it bothers you so much to the point that you're moved to do something about this? When other people saw this and just thought, eh, well, it was a I long thought. time ago. Why did you do something? Why were you so moved?
2: I was um, touched by the personal stories they write and by the personal feelings they put into those letters and the emotion with which they write them.
1: Being touched by the letters is a nice sentiment but it didn't seem like enough to make her blow the whistle on what became a national story that could have gotten her in trouble. So with the mic off as we were walking out of her office I asked her again and this time she confided bureaucrats caused this back then And it looked like bureaucrats were going to bury the story. I didn't want them to get away with it again. For Vox Tablet, I'm Jonathan Gruber in Amsterdam.
0: Jonathan Gruber is a writer and reporter based in the Netherlands. We asked him where things stand now with this case. He said the Amsterdam Jewish community wants full compensation for everything the Dutch Jewish homeowners were forced to pay, not just restitution of the fines. As it stands now, it looks like they might actually get it. So now, here's a question for you you like what you've been hearing lately on vox tablet is there something you feel is missing that you want to hear covered feel free to just send an email to podcast at tabletmag.com and make a suggestion of a topic you want us to cover you can also just tweet at me it's at sarah ivry it's on twitter it's easy go for it vox tablet is produced by julie Subrin. i'm sarah ivry we thank you so much for listening please join us again next time